Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. What is warfare to a Christian? The New Testament talks about it, and most Christians are aware that there is such a thing as spiritual warfare. Of course, the Old Testament records many battles fought by the children of Israel, and we know that these typify the spiritual battle that believers are called to. We probably realize already that our fight is against Satan and the forces of darkness. But in any battle, It's crucial to understand not only who you are fighting against, but what you are fighting for. Bob Danker is with us today as we see Moses preparing Israel as an army as they were about to enter into Canaan. Bob, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 20 and chapter 21 today. And this passage or this section of Scripture largely deals with God's people becoming a fighting army. And now they're prepared to, uh, you know, really engage the enemies that were occupying the good land. Certainly warfare is an important topic in the Old Testament. There's many, you know, records of these battles, and we see it in David's life often and others. But it's also a factor in the New Testament, isn't it? It is, Chris, because in the course of carrying out God's purpose and God's plan, there is an enemy There is resistance. There is opposition. And therefore, there is the need for God's people to fight the battle, Mm. to engage the enemy and defeat him so that God can move on and accomplish what he desires. So we see this, as you said, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. When the Lord Jesus was on the earth carrying out his gospel service, he often encountered those who were possessed by demons. We know that demons are fallen spirits who are in the realm of Satan's kingdom, and they occupy people and possess people against God's will. So everywhere the Lord went, he encountered this kind of situation, and he defeated the enemy by casting out the demons. And in Luke chapter 10, when he sent out his disciples to extend and expand his gospel work, they also came back and reported to him that the demons were subject to them. Right. So this means that they fought the battle and they won the victory. And, of course, the most familiar passage in the New Testament concerning spiritual warfare is Ephesians chapter 6. This portion in Ephesians 6 concerns the warfare of the church, uh, not fighting against blood and flesh, not fighting against human beings, but fighting against the evil power of darkness in the heavenlies Mm. that are moving and operating to oppose God and his purpose. Before we go on, you know, I I think that um, this matter of warfare in the New Testament, there have been very marvelous servants of the Lord who have really uh, focused a lot on this matter of spiritual warfare. 
One name that comes to mind that used to be well-known, I don't know about today, but Jessie Penn Lewis, and she was a marvelous uh, servant of the Lord and wrote some wonderful things that can be greatly helpful today to God's people. Of course, she, at the end of her life, if I, if I have it right, got so occupied with the matter of spiritual warfare that it almost became an obsession to her. So I just felt to mention that, Bob, as a kind of a caution to our listeners. While it's an important topic and we want to see it in its proper context, we also don't want to give ground to the enemy by becoming too engaged in it or concentrating on it, considering it too much. Do you think that's a fair or a worthy warning to our, our listeners? I fully agree with you, Chris. And the key there, and which you just touched at the end, as it's presented in Ephesians 6, which in the New Testament is really the chapter that uh, directly speaks of it, the context there is all about the church, the body of Christ, and that it's not an individual fight to which we're called. I think that will come out today, but I also felt this was a good point to bring out initially. This is very good, Chris. Yes, we must be impressed that the battle is not on the ground of an individual believer fighting against the enemy. Even as we see with Israel, they were an army. Right. The whole nation was an army fighting together as one man, as one body, as one corporate warrior to defeat God's enemy. And this shows us that we cannot fight by ourselves as individuals. We must fight as the church, the body of Christ. Okay, let's come to Deuteronomy chapter 20 and 21. Just the first verse in chapter 20, I think, will set the context for us. It says, when you go forth into battle against your enemies and you see horse and chariot, a people more numerous than you, do not fear them, for Jehovah your God is with you, he who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Then the balance of chapter 20 and into chapter 21 continues on this general topic. We're going to hear in this first section a reference to a couple of verses in chapter 21 that talks about a man who is delivering his inheritance to his sons. And this is a, a frequent topic in the Old Testament. It's touching the matter of the birthright, the birthright. So just to set that up, because our listeners are going to hear that also in this first portion. Okay, here's Witness Lee. Concerning the children of Israel going forth into battle, do you want security? You have to fight. Do you like to have a good future? You have to fight. Today, we are also in the war. Fight for Christ. Fight that we may remain in Christ. You know, the good land always signifies Christ. To live in a good land, to remain there, that means to live in Christ and to remain in Christ. So we need the fighting. Well, we have to ask, how could Moses put all these together? Right. Firstly, concerning the fighting. Secondly, concerning the uh, right of the firstborn son. It seems these two items doesn't have anything to do one with another, right? But, spiritually speaking, we know the fighting is concerning the birthright. So, we have to take care of the fighting first. Then we could preserve our birthright. Now, in the fighting, we all have to learn we must be all the time trusting in God for our fighting. We don't have the strength. By ourselves, we just don't have the capacity to fight. 
by ourselves, we don't have an assurance. And we have to realize we are fighting for what God has given us. Now, the good land has been given to us by God, yet the enemies are still here. So we have to fight, fight down the enemies. Then the land will be cleared up for our inheritance, right? We just cannot just pray, but we have to fight. Bob, let's talk a bit about this matter of the birthright, how it's connected to the warfare as we're seeing. The birthright, first of all, I think uh, we say from the outset, every Christian even has a birthright, but that implies something more than just our salvation, our eternal security, doesn't it? It does, Chris. Actually, God has prepared an inheritance for every believer, and that inheritance is typified by the good land of Canaan in the Old Testament. The children of Israel were to enter the land, defeat all the tribes that occupied it, then take possession of it, then divide it among themselves, and that portion was to be their inheritance from that day forward. That was their birthright. That was the portion that God had prepared for each one to live in the good land, to enjoy the riches, to enjoy the rich inheritance in the good land and ultimately to build up the temple so God could have a dwelling place on the earth. Well, with us believers, of course, God has not given us a physical land, Mm -hmm. but he has given us Christ as our portion. Christ is our good land, and we all, as believers in Christ, have been allotted by God a specific portion of Christ for our enjoyment. So here we are. Corporately, we are the people of God. Individually, We each have our portion of Christ that we need to possess, just as the people of Israel had to fight against the inhabiting tribes Mm -hmm. who represent the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies, as Paul speaks of in Ephesians chapter 6. We have to fight also to possess Christ as our inheritance and then to maintain our enjoyment of him, to remain in him so that we would not be carried away from that enjoyment. So this is a wonderful picture here in the Old Testament that portrays our need to fight the battle, to uh, know how to fight the spiritual warfare, again, not in ourselves or as individuals, but by trusting in the Lord, by being one with the Lord, and by being one with each other in the body as the fighting army. This is the picture here that we need to see and we need to enter into and practice and experience. Yeah, I think a lot of times people may think that the warfare in the New Testament may be primarily related to keeping loved ones, neighbors, friends from receiving the Lord initially so that that battle for ones that you're burdened for to receive salvation. And certainly that's part of the warfare. And maybe that's uh, typified by the children of Israel in their struggle in Egypt, even getting out of Egypt and the struggle that was going on there between Pharaoh and Moses certainly typified an aspect of the battle. But the people then got redeemed and were brought out. Uh, But now, The context here of the fighting is very much, as you said, related to the portion of Christ, the living of Christ, that is the inheritance of the people of God. And that's what today the fighting is really related to, isn't it? In our lives, Satan is, now we're saved, he lost that battle, but now he's going to do everything he can to keep us from enjoying this portion 
That's right, Chris. This is something we all need to realize. God wants us to possess Christ and enjoy him to the uttermost. But we do have the spiritual enemies uh, working in our environment and even working within our very being. And the only goal is to prevent us from enjoying Christ to the uttermost as our spiritual New Testament inheritance. Well, I like this section just ahead, Bob. I think it's very encouraging. Let me read a couple more verses here, also from chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. Hear, O Israel, you are drawing near to the battle against your enemies today. Do not let your heart fail. Do not be afraid, nor alarmed, nor terrified of them. For it is Jehovah your God who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. That's marvelous, and that's really the key to warfare. Here's Witness Lee. God goes with us, and God fights for us. Actually, we are not the fighters. He is. He is fighting for us. We have to know this. In the book of Deuteronomy, God wants us to do something. Yeah, he doesn't want us to do something by ourselves. We have to do our duty. Go to war. Go to battle. Go to fight. And this is our duty. But we cannot fulfill the duty by ourselves. We have to go to fulfill the duty with the faith in God. We believe that God ordains us to fight, and he will do the work for us. We just obey him, take his word, forget about our life. Whether we will die, we will live, this is up to him. Then we go to fight, to fulfill our duty. This will please him. Even today, within us, we still have that evil. What evil? An evil which seems very good. I like, I like to carry out the will of God. I like to do the will of God. It sounds very nice. But I must tell you, don't think that you can do anything for God. No, it is impossible. Regardless how strong you are, you are a strong character, your mind is clear, and your will is strong, and your love is balanced. Yet, you do not have the capacity to keep God's commandment, to do God's will. How could you express God? How can you ask a dog to express an eagle? It's impossible. So, we need to be regenerated. Then we get a second life. That is the eternal life. That the divine life, that is actually the triune God embodied in Christ, realized as the Spirit. This is the eternal life. Now we have such a life. Hallelujah. But since we got this life, we still trust in our old life. We have no idea that the new life is absolutely for us. We don't live by that life. We still live by the old life. You may pray for the old life. Lord, you know how weak I am. And the Lord will say, I knew that already. You, you don't need to tell me. There was the reason I gave you another life. Why wouldn't you live by this other life? Uh, Bob, there's a couple of wonderful points here. Let's start where he started. And as we were talking earlier, 
the first thing the enemy may try to do to us in related to this matter of warfare is to convince us that it's our in individual fight. It's, it's our spirituality or it's our personal victory, whatever to put us on that ground. And we talked about the importance of not fighting from that ground. The second thing, once we're engaged in the fight, he convinces us that it's really us that need to war and fight against him. Doesn't he? That's right. This is a very, very important section here of what our brothers spoke to us. The children of Israel were charged by Jehovah to fight, so they had to do their duty. But they were to remember that it was Jehovah their God who was with them and who would defeat the enemies for them. So they had to fight, yet they had to do it in a good coordination with God. They couldn't do it independent of God. Otherwise, they would be defeated. They couldn't put God aside and say, okay, you asked us to fight. Now we're going to go out and we're going to do it, and we're going to trust in ourselves, in our ability to win the victory. The Lord told them, don't do this. They're more numerous than you are. You know, they have horses and chariots, (laughs) uh, but you need me. You need me for the victory. You need to be one with me and fight together with me. Well, this is a picture for us today, of course. If we think that we have anything in our natural capacity or natural life that can do the will of God, that can keep God's commandments, we are sadly mistaken. Actually, we are defeated already. We have succumbed to Satan's strategy. Yeah, The yeah. first thing Satan tries to do in the spiritual fighting is to get us to trust in ourselves, what we can do, what we can produce uh, out of ourselves. And this is a great mistake. As long as we are in ourselves and trusting in ourselves, we are already defeated even before the battle begins, actually. So actually, God wants us to fight, but he doesn't want us to do it by our natural life, by what we have in ourselves. Maybe we are strong persons, maybe we are, have certain virtues, but these to God are not useful to him to carry out his purpose. In fact, Witness Lee, in speaking about this matter, said that this was an evil. Yeah, I, I was going to make note of that. <laughs> he, <laughs> he calls this an evil. He said it's evil that if we have this view of that we can do it or that we can you know we have something in ourselves that can carry out what god wants that is evil and that really means it has its source in the evil one this is satan's strategy to get us to be independent of the lord he brought out another point it went by fairly fast here near the end but i think it's worth drawing attention to he pointed out that in our salvation our regeneration he's equipped us with another life the new life which is not just for our eternal uh, situation but that's god's life in us today so therefore we're continually coming to him praying that he would strengthen us because we're weak and his answer is you silly man I know you're weak. That's why I gave you a new life. Why don't you live by that new life? Wonderful. That's right, Chris. Why don't we live by that new life? Uh, Somehow we have to be impressed that as believers in Christ, we have been regenerated by God. We have the divine life in us. And that life is not a thing. It's a person. It's the triune God himself Mm. who is embodied in Christ and who is realized by us as the life-giving spirit. This life is in our spirit right now. This is the life that God wants us to live by. He wants us to agree with him and acknowledge that our old life is a failure. Our natural life is a great failure. And 
God has no intention to improve it. Right. He has only one intention, that is to crucify it, to terminate it. And that has been accomplished through Christ's death on the cross. So God has put us aside by putting us on the cross. We have to recognize this and also put ourselves aside and lay hold of this divine eternal life which we received when we were regenerated. So it's just as Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay, one more section to go, Bob. I'll read a couple more verses from Deuteronomy 20. And the officers shall speak to the people, saying, Is there any man who has built a new house? Let him go and return to his house. Is there any man who has planted a vineyard? Let him go and return to his house. Is there any man who has gotten engaged to a woman? Let him go and return to his house. Then, if there is any man who is afraid and whose heart fails, let him go and return to his house. Here's Witness Lee. I like this picture. If you have a house, okay, go back to have it. Don't come here to fight. If you have a vineyard, go back to enjoy that. You don't need to join the army. Engage, okay, go back to enjoy that. God gives you the freedom. If you are afraid, you are threatened, go back. Take easy. You don't need to stay in the battle. Don't come here to fight. The Lord told Gideon, tell those who enjoy the water, let them go back. They are not qualified to fight. The same thing today. I must tell you, the whole church is an army. But this doesn't mean every member of the church has joined the fight. It depends upon your situation. Do you have a house? Do you have a vineyard? Do you have a fancy? Do you have a fair? Are you afraid to be killed? Okay, go back. Go back for your life. Go back for your fancy. Go back for your vineyard. Go back for your house. Let those who do not have any kind of entanglement come to join the war. And these, they do have an assurance. I am not the fetter. But the Lord in whom I trust, he is the fetter. Well, all these requires us not to have any trust in ourselves. But we should learn to take God's desire as ours. Oh Lord, I'd like to take your desire as my desire, but I don't have any trust in myself for carrying it out. I have no capacity. You are my capacity, so you are my supply. Then, by this way, you keep your birthright. You know, Esau lost his birthright just because a bowl of soup, right? He sold it cheaply. And today, who sell the birthright cheaply? Those who care for the house. Those who care for the mirror. Those who care for the fantasy those who care for their life. And you'll be assured all these will not have any share in the victory. They enjoy their house, their vineyard, and their life. They lost their birthright. Bob, a sober word here. We end up back on the birthright. Let me mention this passage he referred to in Judges chapter 7, if I could. It makes the same point. Here he's saying all those who are preoccupied or their heart is really somewhere else, 
have no part in the fight. You can just go home. In Judges 7, Gideon had his army of thousands, and the Lord was ready for them to take a city, but he, he tells Gideon, you have too many. I, I, I need to get rid of some. So take them down to the river. They haven't had a drink for a while, and tell them to all get a drink. And there's two ways in which they could drink. One way is to get down on their all fours and stick their face in the water and, you know, satisfy their thirst. But there's another way, and that is that some just would kneel down carefully, still observing the situation, and just pick up the water in their hand and lap it uh, a little at a time, uh, taking care of their thirst. But really, they were there to take care of God's interests. This is a significant point, isn't it? It really is. In order to fight in the army and accomplish what God wants, we have to take, first of all, take God's desire as our desire. God wants us to possess Christ. God wants us to enjoy Christ. This is God's desire, and we need to take it as our desire. Just as these 300 men, they were for the battle. They were for defeating the enemy. They were not for their comfort, for their satisfying of their thirst. They were not loose. They were girded, and they were observant and vigilant and ready to engage in the battle. Well, it turned out there were only 300 of them, so it was impossible humanly for them to win. But they trusted in the Lord. Isn't that a marvelous thing? And actually, God did fight for them. This is the picture in Judges. Uh, he destroyed the Midianites, and Israel won the victory not by overwhelming the enemy with forces, but by God himself fighting the battle. The second thing is, surely those 300 who went into the warfare and the battle, they couldn't have trusted in themselves because there was nothing to trust in. They had to trust in God. And this is a picture for us, isn't it? We have to put ourselves aside, realize that we have nothing in ourselves that can win the victory, that our victory is absolutely in the Lord and with the Lord, and we need to join ourselves to him very closely by exercising our faith before we go into the battle, knowing that Christ has already won the victory and that he is fighting with us and we will succeed because we have him with us, not because of ourselves. And also this matter of entanglements, Brother Lee mentioned, if we're going to be fighting a war, I think Paul mentioned that to Timothy. Right. He said, Uh, Anyone who wants to fight in the battle would not entangle himself in the affairs of this life. Here you can see that these ones who were disqualified, they were fully entangled with the affairs of life. Right. They were occupied with their own affairs. Yeah, their houses, their vineyards, their, their new wife, all these things, which are nothing wrong. We all have these to a degree. But is that our focus? Is that what we're living for? Or are we like this 300 who were there in the face of an arrayed army against them of thousands, and here God had thousands he could have used, but he would just take a small number among the whole and say, if these ones will let me fight in them, I can take care of everything. That's the picture before us. And they did get a special enjoyment, their birthright. Of course, the whole nation was still, uh, you know, had been redeemed, and the whole church is saved, and our eternal security is in place. But there is a portion reserved for those who will really stand with the Lord in this kind of way. Amen, Chris. Bob, great to have you with us. I wish we had more time. This is a, this is a great topic. At any rate, that's it for today. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry 
publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, that's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.